You ever heard that song? Illness for the many things she gave me. Oh, means that she's only growing old. T is for the tears she shed to save me. H is for a heart that's pure as gold. E is for her eyes with love light shining. R means right, and right she'll always be. Will you put them all together? They spell mother. The word that means the world to me. Miss Christie. Good morning, Bethel. It is good to have you in the house of the Lord today. Um, My name is Christy. I'm the youth pastor's wife here at Bethel. And I just want to say if you're visiting, welcome. Thank you for joining us on this Mother's Day. And a happy Mother's Day to all of our mothers. Um, I have been asked to share a little bit about moms. And um, I know that there are many mothers in the room. There are many grandmothers in the room. And if you're not a mom or a grandma, you have one. Um, (laughs) And we're grateful for them, right? Um, I went around and asked some of the kids this morning during Sunday school what they loved about their mothers. And here are some of the responses that I got. She's beautiful, she's nice, and she's kind, and she's loving, and she's helpful. She fixes my food, and she fixes my hair. She takes me to sleep, and she gives me kisses. Some said too many. (laughs) She loves me because she says it every day. She's always there for me. She doesn't abandon me. She leads me down the right path, and she's patient and selfless and wise. I also asked them, what has your mom taught you in these years? And they said, she teaches me to, quote, be good, how to tie my shoes and how to ride my bike, how to stay focused in school, and how to never ask people their age. (laughs) She teaches me how to navigate my teenage years and the daunting dating thing that happens during that time. She teaches me how to act in church, to be respectful. She teaches me how to read my Bible. She teaches me how to worship and how to pray. Motherhood is a gift from God. I think about my own mother and my own growing up, right? Um, And she's always there. And motherhood doesn't end when your child turns 18 years old. And I I guess I thought that it did. I was like, oh, once I leave, I'm going to go off to school and and she's done, right? She's done. Nope. (laughs) Moms, you are never done. You are never done. I call my mom more now than I ever did before. And it's because I realize how important she is in my life. So there are many joyous times that mothers have watching their children learn how to walk, how to talk, how to ride their bike. Um, There are times when they are so excited that their child has caught their first fish or scored their first home run, or um, watched them cheer or dance at their first basketball game. Um, They watched them sing in church for the first time. Um, There are many joyous times of of being able to talk to your children and have those deep conversations with them about whatever it may be, you know, the why questions that they have, and those are good times. But we also know that there are some, some hard times when it comes to motherhood. There's lots of tears that are shed. There's a lot of pain that you go through. There's a lot of times when you say, God, I don't know if I can do it one more day. There are a lot of prayers that are lifted up. But moms, I want for you to know 
that you have one of the greatest, greatest impacts on your children. Scripture tells us in the Great Commission to go and make disciples, teaching them the way of the Lord and baptizing them. Moms, you go downstairs every single day and you are making disciples. You are literally making disciples. (laughs) And God is good. And so scripture teaches us to honor our mothers. And I know that Todd already made you work this morning to stand up. But I would love if you are a mother, um, if you would stand up just one more time so that we can honor you this morning. So if there are any kids here, and there are a lot of kids, if your mom is sitting beside you, please give her a big hug. If your mom is not sitting beside you, praise the Lord and thank God for your mom. Wow. Well, we're so proud of our mothers, and thank you so much for all that you give and the sacrifices that you made. Now, I understand that there are some here that your mother's not with you. Uh, because of death or because of another reason. And uh, you know what? God does give comfort no matter. And then we have mothers here that their son or daughter is not with them uh, for whatever reason. And I'm here to tell you that God will give you comfort. Can you say amen? Once again, thank God for our mothers. If you do not have an outline of the sermon, please raise your hand. Brother Steve will make sure you get one. I want everyone to have an outline of the sermon. We have been on lately the relationships, relationships. We're talking about relationship with God, relationship with the family, relationships with brothers and sisters, relationship with the church, and relationship with the world. And we, we started, first of all, the relationship with God. And we know that that's, uh, that's very important. I uh, was reading behind a uh, millennial writer, preacher, very young. There was a picture of him, and he talked about how we shouldn't talk about relationship with God. I don't know where political correctness is going to finally wind up at, but... Uh, and I can, I can understand when we start talking about relationship with God, how that people say you can't see God, you can't feel God. How do you have any kind of relationship with God? Well, we can, and uh, every believer has a relationship with the Lord. I, uh, I, 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 I was going to preach a Mother's Day sermon, and I just could not get off of this one. It's found in 1 John, 1 John chapter 1. In fact, it's the entire uh, first chapter of uh, St. John. And uh, it's had 10 verses in it. And I, I began to read this with the Amplified. In fact, this, the Amplified filled up this, up this whole page. As most of you know, I really enjoy reading and studying from the Amplified Bible. If you don't have an Amplified Bible, now, it's, it's very wordy, but it's, it's very informative. And you can get a lot. It doesn't change, of course, the message. It doesn't change the the scripture, but it adds to it. And so what I wanted to do this morning was read from the Amplified Bible, and I think maybe we're going to pull it up on the screen so you can read along with me. But look at your notes, if you will, and let's read first the introduction. Read first the introduction. John's writings, and there were five of them, as most of us know. He wrote St. John, then 1st John, 2nd and 3rd John, and then of course he wrote Revelation, were undertaken toward the end of the first century. By the time John wrote, uh, Christianity had been around for more than a generation. Now that's important to understand because we're going to be talking about some things that was happening that was current during the time, certainly, of the Apostle John's writings. It had faced and survived several persecutions. The main problem confronting the church, and this is what I wanted you to understand, what was happening during John's writings. Why did he write what he wrote when he wrote it? Let me read it again. It had faced several 
uh, I'm sorry, survived several persecutions. The main problem confronting the church at this time was declining commitment. Now, I read this, and I read what he wrote, and I was thinking, my, my, my. It, it could have been written today. We could have taken it, if it was God's word, out of the Durham Herald. And uh, it's just so important that we understand that we live in times like this, uh, a declining commitment. Many believers were conforming to the world's standards, failing to stand up for Christ, and compromising their faith. Do we see that today? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. False teachers were plentiful and they were uh, accelerating the church's downward slide away from the Christian faith. John, here we go, John wrote this letter to put believers back on track and to show the difference between light and darkness, truth and error. And encourage the church to grow in genuine love for God and for one another. Chuck Swindoll is one of my, uh, I just love his writings. I love his preaching. And uh, he's one of my favorite uh, mentors. And I have been mentored through the uh, radio from this man. But he said when he was very young, and this was back in 1950, 1950. He had just begun to preach, and he wanted to get what he thought was one of the easiest books in the Bible to teach it, because it would be easier to teach. Well, he found out when he got into First John, he found out that it's not that easy to teach, and it's and uh, even though that it's uh, it is one of the greatest uh, writings in the Bible, he found out it was not that easy to teach, and he went through the whole book. Uh, of First John, and he said, "If I could, if I could ask those four people that endured that class, four people, if I could, if I could, if I knew who they were, I would, I would tell them I'm sorry." <laughs> I just thought that was interesting because First John is a powerful, powerful book. And the Apostle John, of course, it was the one that Jesus loved, not that he did not love all the disciples. It is the one that leaned upon his breast. If you think about it, John was the only person that ever got to, to hear Jesus' heartbeat. And this man uh, was, was known so much for love, and he wrote a lot about love. And uh, I want to begin with reading from the Amplified, if you will, uh, do we have that for the screen? I, I think we do. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. John says, I am writing about what exists from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of God. Can you imagine the apostles saying what we have heard? Can you imagine being with Jesus for three years and listening to him speak? Can you imagine sitting out on the grassy knoll and hearing him preach the uh, Sermon on the Mount? Blessed are they that mourn. I, I just can't imagine. You know, I've heard some great speakers. Uh, we're going to have Mark Rutland with us. Uh, in our church and one of the greatest preachers ever. And I just said one uh, that I really enjoy, Chuck Swindoll, David Jeremiah, some of the greatest sermons. Or Roberts was just a great preacher. He preached a sermon, The Fourth Man, and it was, it was a classic, and it's never died out. It's still on, I don't know if it's on YouTube or not. I think it is on YouTube. But some of the greatest preachers, some of the greatest teachers in the world, and yet you get to sit and listen and hear none other than the Son of God teach. Wow. And John said, hear what we have heard, what we have seen. Can you imagine what they saw? I mean, the blind man comes up and Jesus touches him and he's made whole. The leopard that came comes up and he's full of leprosy and Jesus touches him and makes him whole. 
Can you imagine seeing the miracles that they saw and the healings and the, and, and, and the signs and the wonders? Can you imagine being on that boat and that storm was raging in such a way and watching Jesus stand up and said, peace be still. And the sea said, just calm right down. Can you imagine seeing that? I mean, we read about it and we get a picture in our mind about this storm and yet they said what we have heard, what we certainly have seen. How about this one? Would you like to have been there when Lazarus was dead? And you watched them roll that stone away. And you heard G and you said, I just don't know about this man. I mean, they said he's been dead for three days. And you hear him say, Lazarus. Come forth. Can you imagine seeing that happen and watching Lazarus? I don't know how he came out bound in those grave clothes, but he got out of there when Jesus said, get out. You get out. What we have heard, what we have seen, what we have looked at. They ran to the tomb and they thought he would be there, but he was not there. The stone was rolled away and it was empty. Can you imagine walking in that? Carol and I have been there and some of you have been there and you've walked in that tomb. But can you imagine walking in when you knew they had laid him there and he was gone? And then they saw angels sitting in there in that tomb. What we have heard, what we have seen, what we have looked at, what we have touched. John was there when Thomas said, I won't believe it. I won't believe it until I put my finger in the nail prints in his hand. I won't believe he rose unless I can put my hand into his side. John was there that day when Jesus appeared, walked through the wall and stood there in their midst and he said, Thomas, reach out and touch my hands. Here, touch my side. There's something about being a witness for something. You know, that's what they call in court. They call up a witness. We want you to have been there. We want you to have seen what happened so you can give us a report. And John says, I'm telling you what I've seen. I'm telling you what I've heard. I'm telling you what we've touched. I'm telling you that this is real and what I'm telling you today and what I'm writing to you today is real. The word of life, the one who existed even before the beginning of the world, Christ. That's the word of life is none other than Jesus Christ. And the life and aspect of his being was manifested and we have seen it as what I witnesses. I want somebody that, man, the Bible says a man with an experience is never at the man of uh, never at the mercy of a man with an argument. Jesus Christ, they saw him. 500 or more people saw him after his resurrection. They were eyewitnesses of what Jesus and testified and declared to you the life, the eternal life, who was already existing with the Father and was actually made visible to us, his followers. John had witnessed it. John had seen it. John gave testimony to it. John is now proclaiming it, not just to the people there as he's writing it, but to all the world. And these words have been living ever since, and they're alive today. John says, the reason I'm writing this is to bring back the joy. And we'll get into that. Let me ask you something. Has your joy been short-circuited? Do you have joy today? Can you actually say I'm happy? Can you actually say I'm joyful? To help live victorious lives. I mean, these are the reasons that I like this book. To remind us of the truth. And during that time, as I said, there were many deceivers trying to twist and hide the truth. But he says... 
I want you to know the truth. And number four, to reassure of the certainty of their salvation. When you read 1 John, when you read John, this great book, it reassures you of your salvation. I think we need that once in a while, don't you? (laughs) I think we need it. Especially today in which we live. To reassure you. What we have seen and heard, we also proclaim, verse 3. So that you too may have fellowship. And that's what we're talking about as partners with us. And indeed our fellowship, which is distinguished, which is a distinguishing mark of, of born again believers, is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Can you imagine the God of creation? The God that spoke the world into existence. Jesus that walked on the water. Jesus which is the incarnate Son of God. Can you imagine having fellowship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit? There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. It's a powerful, powerful relationship. We are writing these things to you so that your joy in seeing you included may be made complete. So that, I'm sorry, so that our joy may be made complete by having you share in the joy of salvation. Do you still retain the joy of your salvation that you once had? I believe that song they sung this morning, Revival. God is going to revive the church. I believe that. I believe there's a revival just waiting to happen for a people that will dare to believe, that will dare to pray and fast and commit themselves. Last Friday night was a powerful time in this church. A number of people gathered. And the anointing of God was here as we began to pray, as we began to believe God and to see his powerful manifestation. I want you to notice your outline for just a moment. I'll stop there with the reading. I want you to notice your outline for just a moment. Living in fellowship with God means that we will, first of all, have life. I believe this book, 1 John, helps us to have a real, true relationship and to understand that relationship with God. Life revealed. John wrote on the basis of his personal experience with Jesus Christ. Read with me. John preached the gospel based on real, a real historic Christ. Not some phantom. Not just some spirit. But history proved that Jesus lived, that he died, and that he rose again. I read author after author, Josh McDowell, many writers that set out to disprove the resurrection, to disprove the miracles and the signs, and how many of them set out wise men learned men that set out to disprove the Bible and the resurrection wound up believing God and became a true follower of Jesus Christ. Wow! Jesus is not a mystical idea, but the actual Son of God in human flesh. He really did live. He really was the Son of God. He really was born of a virgin. I mean, those things actually and really did happen. Life revealed the word of life, the eternal life that was with the Father and has been manifested in the Son. That's the reason that we can have this today. Because God was God and God created and and that Israel knew God by the law and Israel knew God by the prophets. and, And yet when Jesus Christ comes along, he he just sets the table and we can feast he presents he presents god as god how do we know god we know god through jesus 
Isn't it wonderful to be able to know and have a relationship with Jesus Christ? And he gives us life. I think the church needs to act like it sometime. <laughs> I mean, we need, to, we need to have life. John 10, 10 says, I have come that you might have life and have it, what? More abundantly. And if we don't have that, we need that. We need to get a new dip. We need to go back to the spring. We need to get under the fountain. Amen. We need to dip down in that river and let the Holy Spirit re-flood our soul and refresh our lives in the very presence of the Almighty God. So we have life. And then number two, we have joy. Someone said this, and I love this, joy that rises above one's circumstances. There's not a one of us here today that at times, if we really looked at our circumstances and we really looked what we were going through and maybe what we we're facing, we wouldn't have joy. But God's joy, the joy of the Holy Spirit, rises above every circumstances, no matter the pain, no matter the, the situation, no matter what the doctors say, no matter what anybody says, no matter how the devil attacks you, God gives joy. How does he do it? I don't know. I know I, I, I experience it. And I'm happy about that. Joy. Joy. God wants us to have joy. The angels, when Jesus was born, they, 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 they broadcast it on the hillside. And they spoke of the good news and of certainly great joy. Fullness of joy. Listen to this. Follow it with me. Are you reading your notes? Fullness of joy comes only when we are in fellowship with the Father and the Son. You can have happiness without having a relationship with the Lord. But you can't have joy without having an ongoing, powerful relationship with Jesus Christ. That's where the joy comes from. Don't you want joy? Have a relationship with the Lord. Amen. John boldly and clearly states that his personal and complete joy is made possible by sharing with others the message of Christ. Now, that's one of the reasons... That I wanted to read Amplified is, I'll go back to uh, Tammy to, to verse 4. One of the reasons I want to, look at what it says in verse 4. John says, we are writing these things to you so that our joy, John's joy, in seeing you included, may be made complete by having you share the joy of salvation. You're talking about evangelism. That's evangelism. And sometimes I believe the church has less joy because it don't win more souls to Christ. Wow. Huh? There's joy. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory. There's rejoicing in heaven. The, the person that wins people to the Lord. And John says, listen, I want my joy to be full. And my joy will be full when I can see you born again, knowing Jesus Christ, growing in grace and maturing in the Lord. Wow. That's what God wants. He wants us to experience joy. Our joy is made complete when we confess and repent of our sin and knowing they are forgiven. I'll tell you something. When the sun is shining bright and everything is going well, and we can go on down our merry way and we can say, well, I'll go to church Sunday morning and I'll do my thing and then I'll go the rest of the week. And when everything is going fine, that, that may somewhat work. But there's going to come a time when you're going to face this to see if it's really real or not. There's going to come a time when mom and dad and husband and wife can't do anything for you. There's going to come a time when you're just going to look God right in the face. And life right in the face. 
And it's going to be, is this thing real that I've talked, preached, lived all these years? Is it really real? And the Spirit of God is going to speak and say, yes. And the Holy Spirit is going to minister unto you. And joy will come just like from the top of your head all the way down. And joy will flood your soul. And the world will look around and the world will see you and they'll think you're crazy. (laughs) I'm talking about joy. Not that the world gives. But he says, listen, he says in this chapter, I want your joy to be complete. Not something that comes and goes. Not something that rises with the tide, but something that's there in the stillness of the night when tears are falling down your face. Something that is there when, when your son and daughter is not doing right and when you're in trouble. And all of a sudden, it comes gushing in like a wave from the ocean. I don't know about you, but I believe that's real. I'm not just talking. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm saying something that's real. I'm going to joy. And that's what John is writing about. And when you know, and I think that the word know is used uh, 50 some times or many times. He uses that. He wants us to know. I hope so. Maybe so. Uh, you know, God don't want us to think we maybe he wants us to know that we pass from death into life. He wants us to know that our relationship is genuine. Yeah. I'm about to have myself a spell. Hallelujah. Because God desires that we have that. That's a good place to clap. Yeah, come on. He wants us to know that joy. And that joy is complete. When we've asked God to forgive us of our sins. You know, I looked at the word here, and I don't have time to read all this again, uh, but I I looked at the word here. Look at verse 6. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and yet walk in the darkness of sin, we lie. John, John, you you can't use that word today. That's not politically correct to call somebody a liar. As much as they lie in Washington, you can't call them a liar. Well, they misled. I mean, they report. And John, the God, the, the apostle of love, the one that speaks tenderly, the one that laid on Jesus' breast, the youngest disciple of them all, John, you call me a liar. You forget he was the son of thunder too. And he's blasting out. He said, you say you, you love God and you walk in darkness, you're telling a lie. And you can't say that today from our pulpits anymore. It's time to realize and stand up and say what it is. Now, I'm not saying going around and call people liars. But I am saying, I believe that the church needs to face the truth. Wow. And stop. Oh, we want to stroke them. Y'all come on in. This, we'll fill up this church. And when they get here, we'll sing a nice song and, and, and or two maybe. And then we'll stroke you a little bit. And then we'll have a prayer. And then we'll go home and get our chicken. The, the world needs to hear the truth. And the Bible says the devil is a liar and the father of lies. And if we say that we have fellowship with God and we don't get rid of our sins and walk in light, we're liars. You can label me. Yeah, I'm one of those preachers. But I'd rather somebody tell me the truth. Because I'm going to stand before God one day. And the only thing that's going to stand is the Word of God. And the only thing that's going to stand is when people get right with God and, 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 and ask Jesus Christ to forgive them of their sins and be cleansed. And start living right and spitting white. 
Now that was said years ago when people dipped snuff and chewed tobacco. Come on. It's time that the church lives right. It's time that we get rid of darkness. The world's looking for a light. Is our, are our lights burning bright? Do we know Him enough to let our light shine? Oh boy. Walk in the light. Look at it. The basis upon which we may fellowship with the Lord. Father, walk in the light as He is in the light. I'll tell you, when the church walks in light, the world's looking for a light. I believe it'll be like, like a firefly. Hallelujah. I believe it'll draw. It'll draw. Confess our sins. Don't deny that we have sin. He said, if you say you don't have any sin, you're a liar. I'm going to quit using that word liar. You be labeled me. It's what he said. This beloved, tender disciple. You're a liar. John boldly stated these things. Make use of our advocate and perpetuation, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. What's an advocate? Or An advocate is a lawyer. So when I stand in heaven's gates, hallelujah, and I need somebody to be my advocate, he is my advocate. He says, time out. He's mine. I've covered him by my blood. His sins are gone. There are no more because the, my blood that I shed, I am his spokesman. Let him in. You think you're going to march in there on your goodness? You're going to think you're going to walk, march in there on your works and all that you've done? No. He is our advocate. He, my friend, is my and your perpetuation. Light illuminates reality and reveals what is hidden. Can you imagine? Can you imagine God turning on the light in people's lives? He will one day. One says, I'm going to say something when I get there. You, you can't even speak. Because that light, that word, God. People that will shake their fist in the face of God today and curse him today and sing songs that has all kind of profanity and curse God. One day they're going to be speechless. I'd rather confess it, get it under the blood, and stand before him and hear him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many. Now he's going to say, he's not going to say, Don, you can come in because you pastored the church of 3,000. Or you can come in because you did this, that, and the other. He's not going to tell you you can come in because you, your name was so-and-so, because you had so much money, and because even because you worked hard for the church. He's not going to say that. You've been faithful. Let me ask you something. Are you faithful where, where you've been planted? Are you faithful where... You've been planted. God's light both illuminates and exposes those who know Him. Light demands. I, I read this. I, I read this several times. But look at number. Look at number uh, four under number three. Light demands a moral choice. And I came that close to taking that out. And I kept looking at it. And I kept looking at it. I happened to think. You know what? When God's light turns on you, you can make a decision. You're going to make a moral choice. The light of God's word has been shown today in this service. Through songs and through the message. The light of God's word has been shown. And you're going to have a choice. You can deny him. You can reject him. You can walk out those doors and say no to him. Or you can say, Lord, I humble my heart before you. And I say yes. I'm about finished. Walking with God. 
requires total honesty. Everything else stripped away. All of our facade and the veneers all stripped away. And here we stand naked before God. Here we stand open before God. Eve disobeyed God. I need Sister Judy, would you come? Brother Matt, would you, you guys come also? Listen at me. Listen at me. Eve disobeyed God. Adam disobeyed God. And when their eyes were open, they were astonished. They were amazed. Because both of them knew they were naked. Their nakedness was revealed. Sin had come into the world. So they go out and get fig leaves. Fig leaves, my friend. Fig leaves are rough. It's like sandpaper. They make aprons of fig leaves. And that's what the world is doing today. They're taking something that's rough. That's the reason they're miserable. They go around all day with something rubbing on them. And, 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 and it just, just don't feel right. And, and, and God wants something soft on you. God don't want sin and ungodliness and unrighteousness to rubbing you. And, 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 and hurting you. And depressing you and oppressing you. He wants to kill that, that animal and get that skin and place it on you. And that's what he did for Adam and Eve. When Jesus died, he took that cleansing, righteous skin. That death provided me a covering. And I'm no longer exposed. I'm no longer ashamed. I no longer run and hide from God behind some tree. I no longer run from God and hide behind some religion. Or hide behind some excuse. He did this. She did that. They treated me this way. I was done this way when I was young. I'd serve God if not but this. Stop trying to hide. God's speaking to someone today. Let me ask you something. What's the need of going to church if it doesn't change us in some way? We used to sing this song, You Won't Leave Here Like You Came in Jesus' Name. But Brother Don, I've tried. I've tried. That's our problem. We try. When I gather up all my things and take all, all my toys, all the things I've gathered, when I, when I take them all and I come to the altar and I said, God, this is everything. All my sins. I gather them and I lay them at your feet. I've tried. I've tried to live a good life. I've tried not to do this. I've tried not to do that. I've tried not to have these thoughts. Take all that stuff and lay it at his feet. Oh, but I'm always holding a little bit something back. You know, I've got to read. Listen, don't hold anything back. But I'm afraid of what this one will say. I'm afraid of crying. I'm afraid. Listen, the devil will put a guilt trip on you and you'll be afraid to do anything. I won't go to the altar. I won't cry out to God. I won't do these things. You want to be free? Be honest with God. Take it all and lay it at the altar. Peace. Peace. Wonder, wonderful peace coming down. Sweet Holy Spirit, 
kulodo mokutayara makaishai. Sweep over my spirit forever. I pray. In phantomless below of love. Joy, you know it? Joy, sing it for me. Peace. Give her some volume. where it comes from. Oh, hallelujah! Stand and sing it with her. Sing that chorus one more time. Peace, peace, peace. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I, I confess, I've tried, and boy, have I failed. Boy, have I missed the mark. But today I want to be honest with God, and today I want to be really, really open. I want the light of Jesus Christ to shine upon me. And I want to really, really, truly, and honestly confess I'm not worried about what's going to be on tomorrow. Will I go back into sin? Will I go back into pig pen? I'm not going to look at any of that stuff. I'm going to live for today. And I'm going to get everything right with God. God wants to touch you today. We're going to sing this chorus once again. I want to sing it once again, and I just pray. If you're here and you'd like to receive anything from God, I would to God we quit worrying about what people think about us. We go to the altar. We go to the altar. That's a great place to go. And it doesn't mean you're lost. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means you want something more from God. You said, oh, I have to go to the altar. No. But we got to do something. The work was finished on Calvary. Now it's up to us to choose to do something. And going to the altar is not bad. Sing it, Joy. Peace, peace. Coming down. Sweep over, Lord. In fine. Okay, we got plenty of time. I'm going to challenge you all to come and stand with us around the altar as we sing it one more time. One more time, Joy. Feel free to come. 
Sing it out. Sweep over my soul. I pray in phantomless. Somebody is receiving from God right now. Come on. Receive. Lift your hands and sing it. Sing it. Peace, peace. Peace. Wonderful peace. Coming down. sweep over my spirit I pray in I want you to stand where you're standing brother Rick if you don't mind reach back on that wall and turn off the lights Don't get amazed, not all the lights will go off. Did you know the power is still coming into this building? It's just as available right now, all those lights that went out. The power is just as available right now as it was when those lights were on. But you've got to switch that light on. You've got to turn it on. And the power of God is in this place in such a way. But if you don't turn on that switch, you're going to be just as dark as those lights are. You say, how, how do I turn it on, Pastor? You've got to be humble. You got to be honest. You got to be open. You got to be willing to flip the switch. You got to be willing to connect with the power. And if you don't do that, you'll walk out those doors in darkness. I'm going to tell you something, folks. I want the light of the Lord to shine in my life. I want to get rid of that old stubborn spirit. You know, I get stubborn sometimes. Do you ever get stubborn? Man has a way of being stubborn. I ain't going to do that. My wife has always been a lot smarter than I am. Don't tell her I said it, but she is. And she challenged me, and I get so angry. She tell me to do something. I wouldn't do it just because she said do it. I won't gonna let her know she's smarter than I was. But when you get 60 and 70 years old, those things don't matter anymore. It's time that those things not matter. It's time that people what they think don't bother us. It's time that we get rid of our stubbornness and say, I'll lay it down. That thief on the cross said, Jesus. Now you can be like the other one and say, If you're really God, come down and get us down from this cross. But the other one said, Lord, remember me. This was a hard man. This was a mean man. This was a man that was being crucified for all the crime and all that he had done. But he humbled himself and he looked over and he said, Jesus, remember. And Jesus said, today, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Joy, if you'd sing that one more time, I'm going to pray. We're going to go home. And then everybody that's here can receive anything you want to from the Lord. You can turn the lights back on, Brother Rick.
Now you switch on your light. You switch on your light. a special need, any need. I believe in prayer. I believe in prayer. Hallelujah. I believe that God will touch you today. I was studying yesterday in my office and I got so sick I almost fell on the floor. I was so sick. And I said, I'm going to sit here. If I fall on the floor, I'm going to sit in this chair. And I'm going to finish this sermon. And I'm going to preach this sermon. And God's going to anoint this sermon. And that stuff said, woo! But you've got to make up in your mind. God, I'm standing for you. I've made up my mind. The church needs a man. You want to serve God? You're going to fish or dig bait. You know, you're going, to, you're going to do it. Brother Bobby? He and his wife. You say, well, he's just had it easy all his life. You know how many children they've lost? Young kids, too. And a grandson. They didn't miss a beat. This is when you lost. This is when you lost uh, your son, and, and, and he said, "I'm going to church." You know, our 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 choice most time is, "Well, I'm going to stay home." That's the time you need God's people. That's the time you need to go to church. That's the time when you battle. But if you obey God and you walk by what faith, faith. This is by faith, folks. And he was in the hospital just a few days ago. I mean, they were about to give up on Bobby. And here he is. And God has healed him. And he come. He's been coming for years. And he's taken up the offering. And he would come. And he would shake so bad. I would just pray for him. And we would believe God. And God healed him the other day. And he's shaking. He's gone. And he passes that plate steady now. Hallelujah. You have a need. Thank you, Bobby. Thank you so much. We love you and Kay so much. I don't know how she stayed so pretty. I thought she was about as old as I am, but she must not be. (laughs) 59 years this month. Hallelujah. Okay, we're going to go now. But I want to pray for you. You have a need, whether it's spiritual or physical or whatever. You'd like to slip up that hand and say, pray for me. Just slip it up. Amen. We're going to believe the Lord. We're going to believe the Lord. Now, Father, our hearts have rejoiced. Your word is alive. It is sharper than a two-edged sword. 
You said your word shall not return void. I believe you. I don't believe my feelings. I don't look at circumstances. I believe your word. And you said my word shall not return void. It shall, it shall accomplish that, that I send it forth to accomplish. Your word has gone forth from this place today. Thank you. Thank you for touching our lives. Bless every mother, every grandmother. Bless those that have lost their loved ones. Bless those that experience pain. Bless every mom that lost their son or daughter. Give them peace and comfort. God, we ask your blessings upon this day in Christ's name. Amen. Now, every mother, every mother, we have one of the most beautiful rows to give you. Don't you leave without getting a rose. Thank you for coming. Have a great day.